continue on in our conversation that we're calling Fresh Start. And so uh, we're going to jump right into that. And um, I do want to ask, just because I'm curious, who are the people who wish there was actually more snow right now? Me too. Me too. All right? Because we're Minnesotans. Hashtag Bold North. It's fine. All right, let's pray together and jump into God's word. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the joy in this room and the conversation and the friendships. We thank you that you are present here with us, that you are our friend, you are among us as we connect, as we worship, as we hear from your word and all of these things, you are present and you are there. We pray that you would open up our eyes to your presence and make us more aware of how you are truly with us. And we pray today that you would continue to be present in the school as we all leave today. We pray that your presence would make a difference here at Sheridan School when the students and the teachers arrive tomorrow and the administrators. God, we just pray that your presence would make a difference in this place. We pray that the wrong things would be made right. And we pray that there would be kids who would have what they need and, and be safe. And we pray that there would be a spirit of peace here so that the kids can learn and begin to, to more and more be formed into the, the people that you've made them to be. We thank you for the privilege that it is to worship here. We count it as an honor, and we're so thankful that we have this opportunity to be here and worship you openly in this public school. We're so grateful. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. All right, so the two most, well, not the most, two of the most passionate people that I know in my life personally is my younger brother, Rob, and his four-year-old son, Amos. Two of the most passionate people that I know. Now, Amos, being a four-year-old, um, passion, when it's all pent up in a little tiny body, can be challenging. Some of you know personally how much passion and energy can be in a tiny four-year-old. And Amos is one of those kids that makes you think, wow, I did not know that much energy could be in one tiny four-year-old child. And so anybody who's passionate can get a little bit feisty sometimes. So some of you know that's you. Some of us know that's me. You can get a little feisty, okay? So Amos, at times, can get a little feisty, and I've seen him go from zero to 60 in like two seconds. If he thinks something is unfair or not right, man, that kid, will he'll go from the sweetest thing to not okay with anything, all right? And so in these moments, I've watched this happen, and, I, and he experiences this with his dad. I've watched this, and I, and I have to be totally honest. They're not here today, but I did ask permission to tell the story. I have to try not to laugh when this happens, <laughs> which is kind of like an auntie thing to do. You know, so I see him just get super mad, and his face turns red, and he goes, ah! and then he says something really bizarre that doesn't really make sense. Um, like, for instance, sometimes he says things like, Dad, I don't like you forever, and things like that. And I'm just over there like, oh. <laughs> turns out my brother does not think that's funny at all. Like, he's over it. Uh, and I often say things like, well, you know what? You're the one who decided to name him Amos after a prophet. It turns out pastor jokes are not funny at that time either. So I, I, I've watched this happen, and I don't have kids of my own, but I, I've seen this with other families too. But I've seen my brother get down to his level and his little scrunched up mad face and say to him, Amos, I don't think that you mean that, what you said to me. Do you want to have a do-over? Do you want to have a do-over? And it, the truth is, is that it might take a little bit of time before Amos can calm down his reptile brain and actually like come back to reality. But usually Amos does want a do-over because he didn't mean what he said. He does like dad forever. He doesn't not like dad forever. And so there's this opportunity for him to have 
a do-over with dad. Now, my brother, as you can imagine, is a grown version of Amos, and he is uh, someone who has an adult-sized amount of passion. And he's told me that he's had to have many occasions and, and encounters with Amos where he maybe got a little too feisty, and he's had to say to Amos, Amos, can daddy have a do-over? Sometimes Amos waits a little bit, just like he does when he wants to take his, and he says, yeah, daddy, you can have a do-over. And I think about this conversation that we're having about having a fresh start and God's invitation to that for us. And I think that a lot of us just, when it comes to the relationships in our life, whether it's our relationship with God or with other people, sometimes we just need a do-over. There's things that were said that can't be unsaid. There's a distance that came, became between you and God because of various things and you're really feeling it now and you're feeling like you're not known by God, you don't know God. There's encounters that happened over the year where you walked away from that and thought, ooh, I wonder if I could have a do-over. And I guess today what I want to say in this conversation about fresh starts in 2019, I think that we can choose to have a fresh start with God, and that is how we can have a fresh start with other people. We can choose to have a fresh start with God, and that's how we can have a fresh start with other people. Now, I think as we're talking about fresh starts, we're not talking about resolutions necessarily. Some of you are probably resolution people. Some of you aren't. I'm really not a resolution person. I always cringe a little bit with, like, the new year, new you thing. So I'm like, new year, same me, kind of, you know, and, and the same things that we go through. But however, I can really appreciate the opportunity to have a, a fresh start. And last week, Pastor Mike went through just the different places we see in Scripture that God kind of created and ordered the world and ordered our lives to be able to have these fresh starts in various ways. I encourage you to listen back to that. Um, he talked about the fresh starts that would happen in periods of years and the ways that God invited people to have a fresh start even every week with the concept of Sabbath. And so I love that the beginning of the year is one of the opportunities in a year to have a fresh start and to choose to say, what does it look like for me to choose to have a fresh start with God and maybe choose to have a fresh start with other people? And so today I want to look at one of the passages that Pastor Mike looked at last week, and I want us to dig a little bit deeper into this passage, um, because this passage, 2 Corinthians 5, if you have a Bible, I'm actually going to read it in the message translation, so I'm going to put it up here on the screen. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. I, I, I see this language here, uh, I see this, this pointing towards relationship with God and others as super, super important and focused on in this passage. As, as twice, you'll see in, in the message translation, the phrase fresh start. I want you to look for that when we read it. The phrase fresh start is used. And I think that the relationship with God and relationship with others thing is one of the fresh starts that makes all the other things that we might want to, to make decisions about and stuff actually a reality. Because the, the center of our life comes down to our relationship with God and others. And so if we choose to have a fresh start in those, I think it can overflow into our lives into the other fresh starts we might want to have as we look towards the year. So as you look at 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21, we're going to use the message translation, like I said, because it's a little bit more of a modern way of looking at scripture. So it's not translating directly from Greek in a literal way, but in a meaning, in, a, in the meaning of the way, in order for us to understand. So just mixing it up a little bit. Happy to have you look at the NIV or another translation later. But this is great because Paul is writing this, and, he, and in this translation, the phrase fresh start is used, which I think helps us connect with what we're talking about. So I'm going to read it here for you, and uh, look for Paul pointing out a fresh start. He's writing a letter, a love letter, really, to a church in the city of Corinth. It's a church that he helped to start. 
Paul is a church planter. He's gone around all these parts of the ancient Near East and he's been a part of these new communities starting and he's writing a letter to them, these people that he loves, that he deeply cares about. So he would only say things to them that he would hope would be a good thing for them in their life, okay? So this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. Look for the fresh start. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life or a new life, a far better life than people had ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, this decision to focus our life on our relationship with God, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him, Jesus, that way anymore. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, the new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us, then, the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. I'm going to read that again. We're Christ's representatives, and God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you say? Paul's assuming maybe they're wondering how. In Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. So I think the, the big idea, the main thing that Paul's trying to say in those few verses is, who offers us a fresh start? Jesus. And what are we supposed to do in response to the fresh start that Jesus offered us? We're supposed to offer a fresh start to other people in our lives. I think that's what we see here. Now, this is going to look a little bit different for us with God than it is with other people, right? Because it's difficult for us to offer other people a totally clean slate, but God can do that. That's what I want to talk about today. So last week, Pastor Mike noted that that first, that first line, our firm decision is to work from a focused center. This idea of a, a firm decision and a focused center, it puts a little bit of agency on us. Like, are we going to decide that we want to be about this, and are we going to get to become centered? I actually love that phrase of being centered. People talk a lot about finding balance, and that just feels like a topsy-turvy thing to me. I love the idea of being centered, focused on who Jesus is, and Pastor Mike said, when we're focused on that, we're able to look through that lens at everything else in our life. It changes the way we look at our lives. It changes the way that we look at other people's lives. It changes the way that we look at our world. When we focus and are centered, I love that, centered on who Jesus is. So today I want to hone in on this relationship aspect because I think Paul is really focusing on this in this text and how much it actually is from that place that we can do all these other things. So first, let's talk about our relationship with God. There's a few places in here that are very direct. Verse 18, God who settled the relationship between us and him. God settled the relationship between us and him because of what Jesus has done by conquering death, conquering the brokenness and the barriers between us and God. 
And then, then going on to say, and he called us to settle our relationships with each other. So we can choose to have a fresh start with God. The next verses, 20 and 21, I want to point out. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. I think that's so interesting. He's already a friend with you. God's already made that friend request. <laughs> you know those friend requests? Some of you are those people. Somebody asked to be your friend on Facebook, and then you ignored it, and now you have like 20 people who've requested your friendship, and you haven't said yes. And I get that if you're looking at it, and you're like, I don't know who you are. Okay, that happens too. But I bet some of you are out there, and my friend request is in your inbox. Like, say yes, I want to be friends. But I think this is what Paul's saying. God has already requested friendship to us, but not forcing it. You can say, do I want to accept that friendship or not? I think this is what Paul is pointing out here. So it, it, then the last thing he says is, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. So this is where we see the difference of the interchange between us and God and my brother and Amos, right? Because the truth is, is that when Amos says those things, he doesn't mean them, but it does hurt Rob's feelings. It's something that's hard for him to forget that Amos said. He's going to do his best to forgive him, but we're all humans, right? Amos is a little tiny human, and Rob's a bigger human. But we're all humans, and we can't do this perfectly. But with our relationship with God, it's different. This is what Paul's saying. It's different. God put the wrong on him. He took that on himself, Jesus, so that we wouldn't have to be in an interchange with God where we wonder if God is still holding on to some of those things. When we talk about a fresh start with God, we're talking about the most fresh start, clean slate that you can possibly have. Not quite the same way with humans. So here's something I really want us to point out. So it's difficult for us sometimes when we, even though we're listening to this with kind of a fresh language, uh, thanks to Eugene Peterson who wrote this, this way of looking at scripture, uh, the truth is, is that none of us were alive in the first century. And so it's very difficult for us to think about how we might have perceived some of the stuff that was said here. Uh, when we're listening to these letters, we're thinking about our context, which is very different, turns out, than first century ancient Near East. And so let me point out one thing that would have been extremely, um, I would say, like stunning, like awe-inspiring to the people who heard Paul say these words. When Paul talked about God wanting to be a friend with humans, God wanting relationship with humans, this would have been shocking to people from the ancient Near Eastern worldview because the, the common thought about the gods, there were multiple gods and different ways of thinking about God just like there are today. The common view about God and all the gods was that they wanted nothing to do with humans. They didn't want a relationship with humans. They didn't want friendship with humans. They barely wanted to tolerate humans. Like this is all over these, these uh, narratives of the ancient Near East. This is the way people perceived the gods. The gods are angry. Try not to make them angry at you. That was like the main way of looking at God. And so when Paul is saying this, and as the story of God in the Old Testament of Yahweh, Yahweh is different. Yahweh reaches towards humans. Yahweh wants to be with you. And, and, and to prove that, without any shadow of a doubt, God wants to be so with you, unlike any other narrative about God, God wants to be so with you that God is going to come and become a human like we just celebrated in Advent, right? Crazy, crazy stuff. And so this would still be here in the first century just like brain explosion emoji, right? Have you seen that one? It's really weird, like the brain's exploding. That's what it would have been like for them. It would have totally blew up their minds because that's not how they've been told that the gods are. God has offered friendship to you. Do you want friendship with God? Crazy. This is something that would have been very shocking to them. 
So I think that when we think about having a relationship with God, it seems a little bit mystical. And what I mean by mystical is that there's a lot of mystery around it. It doesn't totally make sense in the same way as Facebook friends or, you know, in real life friends, IRL. That's what that stands for, IRL, in real life. It doesn't feel the same because we're having this relationship with this supreme being, right, that we can't touch or see. We might be able to experience the effects of God in our life, but we don't have that same interchange. And so it's mysterious. I don't know about you, but I think it's mysterious. And I sometimes think we just need to acknowledge that, that sometimes when we talk about having a relationship with God, it's a little bit mysterious and a little bit strange to just think about what that means, and it doesn't always totally make sense. And I think it's okay. What if we actually were okay with holding on to some of that mystery and saying that might always be there when we're talking about being in friendship with the supreme being of the entire world? Maybe that isn't something we can totally comprehend. Maybe, for you, the narrative that you've told yourself or somebody has told you about God is similar to what we saw in the, in the ancient Near East. God doesn't want anything to do with you. God's trying to tolerate you. God's just hoping you don't screw things up of his perfect plan he has for you. If we're honest, we have these narratives in our minds and our hearts, and we can talk for a long time about how they got there. But at this point, in a fresh start, we have to acknowledge if that's what we've got going on when we think about who God is in our life. If you have even an ounce of a belief that God's barely tolerating you, then of course it doesn't make sense that God's extended friendship to you. What would it look like this year to say, I want to try to truly accept that God wants to be known by me and know me. For me, not for the cleaned up version of me, for the actual me that God created. Maybe you sense that you need a fresh start in your relationship with God for other reasons, like maybe you just, you've been doing some spiritual practices and they're getting a little clunky and you want to try something different. Maybe this last year there was some really hard stuff, so you're wrestling with how can God be who God says God is if this happened? Yeah, totally. What would a fresh start look like to reapproach that relationship with God? It's different for everybody. God is the only being that can perfectly do a do-over, can perfectly wipe the slate clean. And I, I do think it sounds nuts. It sounds a little crazy. It sounds crazy to me that God would never run out of chances for us to have a do-over. Because some of you know that at the beginning of 2018, you needed a do-over, and maybe last week you did too, and here we are. And I think that's part of why we get together all the time, to remind ourselves that every day God offers us a do-over, which sounds crazy to me, but I believe that it's real. So if we wanted to step into a fresh start with God this season, what could that look like? I've just got a, a few ideas, okay? So the first one, I think, is just that you need to be honest with yourself about your relationship with God and have an honest conversation with God. Uh, I love Brene Brown, author Brene Brown. Some of you have read her. She talks about this idea of the story that you're telling yourself. So I just mentioned that. Like, what's the story that you're telling yourself about God? And I can tell you the story, but what if you approached God and said, hey, this is the story I'm telling myself about you. I need you to help rewrite that story. I think that's the first step, to be open to that. Who is God in your life and the relationship that God wants to have with you? Who is Jesus? Why did the person of Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection matter to you? Not just in the future, but now. Why does it matter now? Second thing, accept Jesus' friend request. All right? I know, it's pretty bad. My husband's like, oh gosh. But, 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 but seriously, like, I think that's the most clear thing that's being said here. God wants to be friends with you. You can choose if you're going to accept it or not. 
And I think that that's something we do usually at one significant season of our life, but I think it's something we have to re-engage in all the time, to choose to be friends with God. And if we do choose that, then I think that it leads us to this next stage, which would be what are the rhythms of relationship that we want to have with God? You know, I've heard a lot of terms, spiritual disciplines and practices, I love it, whatever, choose your term. But all you're really saying is, what is my rhythm of relationship with God? What's the way in which I'm going to regularly connect with God? Not in a legalistic way, but in like a everything else is in my calendar type of way. What does it look like to be intentional with that? I think that it's hard to sometimes remember that we're supposed to relate to God, not just believe that God exists. It's kind of like that friend you don't see all the time, and then you feel really bad. You don't tell them that you didn't think about him for like two months, but you didn't. And you're like, ooh. And I think that happens sometimes with God. We forget to remember. I think that's why so much of Scripture talks about remembering what God has done and who God is, because it's easy for us to forget. And I don't think that God's shaming us about that. I think that God's inviting us to remember and to say, what does it look like for me to remember what God's inviting me into, that, that God has invited me to become friends and, and he's already friends with me. Um, I would say just picking just one thing that might remind you to have a conversation with God or to pray it could be something little. I've done at times like a little reminder on my phone. When somebody tells, texts me and says, hey, will you pray about this? I'm like, hey, Siri, remind me to pray tomorrow for so-and-so at this time, a time when I know I'm going to actually have some space. Something little, I don't know. And then maybe there's just this year, just one thing, one practice, one ry- rhythm of, of devotion and connection to God that you want to have. I, I put a list on our church website, millcitychurch.com, backslash, um, what did I put it on? Training. Go to training. We've got a blog there. Surprise, there's a blog. And on the blog, there's actually a ton of articles about connecting with God and other people. And I took all the articles and I put them into one with links. So you can say, okay, this is what I want to look at. This is what I want to look at. Some Tons of ideas on how to connect with God this year. Just pick one. Tons of ideas on how technology can actually help you move towards God and other people instead of away. Just pick one. And then finally, the fourth thing is just that you can't give up pursuing relationship with God. No other relationship works that way, right? You have to always choose to pursue other people that you love and that you want to be in relationship with. That's never done. There's no period at the end of that sentence. We will always be pursuing relationships with God and other people. Don't give that up when you feel like it's hard. That process is never over. And often the things that are the most important in life are the most challenging to do. Absolutely. Okay, so then let's shift. If this passage suggests that the relationship with God and being made right with God is what, and settled with God, helps us to be in right relationship with other people and to be settled with other people. Uh, We see this in this passage too. It helps us out of that relationship with God, we flow into this relationship with others. Verse 16, because of this decision, the decision to center ourselves on Jesus, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. Verse 18, all this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. And then I love that verse 20. God uses us to persuade people to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. That's the key right there. God has to do that work with you and the other person to make things right. That's why we start with the relationship with God in order to make it right with other people. That's why we see that so clearly here. Making things right with other people. Especially, I think, we could suggest, the people that you disagree with. Here in the passage, the people that you have differences with, maybe even difficulties with. Here's the thing. As I look at this passage and so many, I just don't think that God is 
throwing it out as a suggestion. Like, I just don't think that God is saying, you know, maybe you could consider settling that rocky relationship with other people if you have time to think about it. I don't see that way of Scripture speaking that. I don't see that we're getting like a Minnesota passive-aggressive pass on this one. Like, I think it's an imperative. I think that Paul is saying we are called to settle our relationships with others. Jesus talks all the time, constantly, about loving people as we love ourselves, about loving God and others, about forgiving 70 times 7, about being people who forgive so that you will be forgiven. The guy never stops talking about it. So then why do we find ourselves not taking Jesus seriously about this one so often? It seems like this is an imperative. I don't have any interest in shaming people into making relationships right with other people. I have no interest in shame as a motivator at all. I actually think that Jesus says these things and that Paul is expressing this out of love and concern and wanting what's best for you, not out of a shame-based thing at all. If this is an imperative to Jesus, maybe it's actually what's best for us, even though it's hard. So who might be somebody you need to offer a fresh start to or who you need to pursue them and say, hey, could I have a fresh start with you? I don't know who that might be for you. There's nothing passive about that type of intentionality and work and forgiveness that might need to happen to have a fresh start with somebody else. And I think that this is really hard to do. I was reminded this week of a relationship where I had to have a fresh start experience, and it was because of that craze that's going on on Facebook about finding your first profile picture. Some of you did that. I can see you nodding. Okay, and they called it the how hard has aging hit you challenge. And for some reason, I always do that kind of stuff. What's the matter with us? Like, why are we doing that? I don't know. So anyway, I went and found my first profile picture that's still on Facebook, and uh, I'll show it, show it to you up here. So here's my first profile picture. It's my friend Heidi and my friend Leah, and then over here is my friend Siri. Some of you know Siri. Where are you, Siri? All right, there she is. Okay, so Siri's here right now, and um, th this pic reminded me, looking at this photo, reminded me of how close it came to us not being friends 14 years later where Siri would be here right now. We, we came pretty close to that happening. We met freshman year of college, hit it off right away, great friendship, and then the freshman year drama happens. And, you know, in college, I look back now, some of you are in college, I look back and I think, why did we get so upset about these things? But you know what? It doesn't matter, does it? Because your perception is your reality. Whatever you're experiencing with someone, you might even think it's dumb that it bothers you so much, but it doesn't matter. If it bothers you, it bothers you. And Siri and I got into it about all these things, and it was just ridiculous. And then by the end of freshman year, we weren't friends. And the only problem with that is that we'd already signed up to be roommates the next year. And so we're moving into this tiny quarters in college, and uh, her dad got this bright idea to put, like, this long bed that he built out of wood, which meant we slept foot to foot. There was some kicking. Like, there was just some kicking that went on. Like, mm, you're on my side. We barely talked sophomore year. Very long story short. By junior year, we began to say, what would it look like for us to have a fresh start? And we began a fresh start in our friendship, and it took time. By the time we got to senior year, guess what? We chose to live together again. I still got annoyed at a lot of things, and so did she. She had this massive collection of Nalgenes, and I was just like, why are these in here? And she was upset because apparently feathers from my comforter fell on her face. I don't even think that happened. The point is, <laughs> there were still frustrating things, and... Years later, we're still trying to work out and having to have fresh starts. We've had multiple fresh starts. But I can't tell you how important it's been over the years. There's been so many moments when I thought, oh my goodness, I'm so glad we chose a fresh start. For instance, um, the, uh, the summer after we graduated from college, her mom was killed in a car accident, 
on the five-year anniversary of my dad's death. And I just wonder what it would have meant if we wouldn't have been in relationship because of something sophomoric, literally. We had to work to rebuild that, but I can't tell you how much it's meant to us for me to be able to be there when her daughter was born because her mom couldn't be there. For her to stand up on the stage with me when I got married because my dad couldn't be there. What does it look like for us to make these choices, to be in relationship with other people when it's hard and it's scary and we don't even know for sure if they're going to respond to it? I know that's part of the problem. We don't know if people are going to want to accept the fresh start or to offer us the fresh start. But man, I want to know that I was the person that tried. What might that look like for you in this time? I've got just uh, a couple things. I'll put, them up. Put, put all four of those things on the screen for me, Phil. The first thing, if you want to reconnect, I think, with other people and to, to repair a relationship, or even just maybe one just kind of got lost. It's not even like there's a problem, but you know you want to be more intentional. I think you need to start with that connection with God because we see that order of operations here, and I think it's very real that God gives us the love that we can flow out to other people. I think, secondly, we just have to choose to be intentional. It, another, it just doesn't happen by accident. We've got to make that choice. And I understand that sometimes people aren't quite ready, but you have to make that choice. Uh, I, I love the idea of having a friendship DTR, define the relationship. Hey, are we each other's people or not? Can I call you at 2 a.m.? Who's your 2 a.m. friend? You can't have a lot of those. But who's your 2 a.m. friend? Siri can call me at 2 a.m. She hasn't very often, but she can, and we know that. But that's not for everybody. But who are those people for you? Could you answer that this year? What's the story you're telling yourself about that relationship? And then just like with God, determine the rhythms of relationship. You know, what are the ways you're going to connect regularly? Maybe you need to mix it up and try a new app. I don't know. But how are you going to stay in connection with those people so that you know what's going on in someone's life? How are you going to answer the question and ask the question, how are you really? Who are those people? And then I think finally, you have to give grace to yourself and grace to other people because we are humans. We're not the one that can make a perfectly right relationship the way that God can, but we sure can try. And I think that's what we're talking about. We can choose to have a fresh start. We can make that choice. And when we make that choice to have the fresh start with God, it helps us to have a fresh start with other people. I'm going to have the band come back up, but I, I just want to say, I, I, get, I think we get a little bit confused with what it looks like to, to step into some of these things. It's almost like we think, I just need to try harder. I just need to have grit. And that's not what I'm saying at all. But I do think you have to want it. I think you have to want it. And then, out of that sense of wanting it, you open up yourself to God and say, help me do this. Not how can I have more grit, but how can I be open to God helping me right relationship with God and other people. So maybe even as we're having this time of worship, it would be a good time for you to ask God to help you. Ask God to fill your heart with a desire to have a deeper relationship with him and to settle those things with him or settle those things with other people in your life. I don't actually think that we can do it by ourselves. if I'm completely honest. We have to have God and other people to help us do it. So do you want to have a fresh start and deepen your relationship with God? Do you want to make it right with other people in your life? I wonder what it would look like just to ask God that as we have this time of worship, just to be honest with yourself and with God about that. We're going to practice communion like we do every single week, and I love that because what is it? It's a reminder that we have a fresh start. That's what it is. There's people in this room, and there's people all over the world that are doing this practice today. That, that just blows my mind. There's people that are coming and taking the body and the, the blood of Jesus as a representation in this bread and in this cup. People who voted differently than you, people who look differently than you, people who uh, live differently than you, people who have a theology that's different than you. All these people 
coming to the same cross and coming to the same remembrance moment to say, I have a fresh start. And God offers a fresh start to all those people every day, every week, and we get to celebrate that when we do this. So you're invited to join in. If you're seeking Jesus in your life, then you can participate in communion. You just take a piece of the bread, it's gluten-free, dip it into the cup, and then you can make your way around here. We'll form two lines. We'll have some people on the walls who would just love to pray for you. Sometimes you need people to pray you through that tough relationship you need to work out. We would be happy to do that. So let us do that. When you're ready to come, join in. But use this time to connect with God about what it looks like for you to step into this this year.